0: Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on 4th and 1. So, you know,
1: it's with that time, Jersey. Welcome to 4th and 1. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And, um, hey, we're on to a new week. Andy Reed has no time to explain why they didn't consider letting the Bengals score. Uh, I, for one, am of the opinion that in a tie ball game, you don't necessarily let them score. I, I was fine with the Chiefs. Uh, playing it out there and look it almost worked they got to stop on fourth down you know were it not for for some other penalties and and for as frustrating as the the officiating was look the the penalties in the end zone were penalties that in, in that case but you and I still there it's a couple other plays in that game that that you and I and a lot of Chiefs Kingdom aren't ready to let go of right
0: yeah. I mean, look, I don't, I don't care. Like, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't frustrated with them when I'm like, man, they really need to let them score. I'm like, okay, you're still down. If you let them score, you're still down seven. Like, I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, like, so you've got to, you're just going back to tie it again. Like, I mean, you know, in, in like you're talking about, I mean, some of the third down plays in advance before, like those are what decided the game. Like those, those were the moments that decided if, you know, if you needed to do that or not, some of the, <clears throat> Like that, that's, that's when you had to make the decisions. And unfortunately, both decisions that they made on those third downs, those cost them the game, you're just hoping they learn from those so that those don't bite them again in the playoffs. And then and when they put themselves in those positions or, or one, that they don't put themselves in that position to begin with in the playoffs. And they have a comfortable, you know, uh, lead at that point. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff. I hope they learn from that Bengals game that hopefully gave them a reality check that they need come playoff time that, Hey, Here's, you're gonna have to you to have to be on point because there's there's gonna be it's gonna be some times where some other teams they're gonna be able to come at you and they're not they're not gonna relent.
1: I think you and I we talked about this on, on the the post game podcast after the Chiefs lost. They got out coached, and, and the two third yep. downs I think are an example of that because let's take the third and five on the Chiefs' last drive before they settled for a game tying field goal. Um, the Bengals had shown a tendency to. In those situations, show blitz, drop out. right? Um, that's what they'd put on tape. That's what Patrick Mahomes was expecting. That's clearly what the Chiefs coaches were expecting because they didn't um, call a play anticipating uh, an all-out blitz on third and five, so they had no hot routes. And because the blitz got home and the Chiefs didn't have any outlets because all their routes took more time to develop, Patrick Mahomes has to run for his life. He has to throw the ball away. The chiefs settle for a field goal. Then you flash forward to the next drive. The chiefs have shown a tendency, unlike the Bengals, who tend to show, um, you know, show a blitz and, and then drop into and drop some guys into his own coverage. The chiefs have had a tendency in those situations, uh, you know, third and long to bring the all out blitz, like put the pressure on the quarterback, go for the sack, force a quick throw, Whatever it may be, the Chiefs did not break their tendency like the Bengals did, and the result was, you know, Joe Burrow knew he was going to have one on one when, when based on the alignment and the safeties crashing down uh, in the middle of the field, he took his shot to Jamar Chase on third and twenty-seven, by the way, and burned the Chiefs, and and that ultimately set up everything that happened at the end and allowed them to to bleed the clock and. And kick the the uh, the game winning field goal as time expired. My question to you, Nick, is which one like sticks in your craw more now that you've watched the film and you've had a few days to digest it? The third and five call or the third and twenty-seven? Both of them.
0: <laughs> I, I'm frustrated with both of them equally. There is not one that I am more frustrated with. I am irritated uh, significantly by both of them. I'm going to take the third and five first. Now, with the third and five, we talked about it then, but even more so now after getting to see the whole route combination. Look, every single one of those, the four the four to secondary guys that they had back there, um they're playing. They're playing sticks coverage. You're not getting past the sticks. So, like, they're they know you're gonna throw it quick. And the fact that they're all playing aligned, you know, in a, in the sticks concept. I mean, typically that means that they're gonna blitz. Like, that's what the blitz look is. So, I mean, they weren't they weren't exactly fooling anybody with that. So, I mean, look. I mean, it is it is what it is. It's it's irritating. But what I what I didn't like about it is Pringle had um, Pringle had a drag route. And then Kelsey had, I don't even remember anymore. I'm like, this is is not a hot route either. Like, this should be like a post or a slant or something. If you're going to do it, you need to do a quick drag route off of it or, or a slant or a quick slant off of it. And then Tyreek, I mean, Tyreek, if they do the slant, Tyreek's got a, you know, he's got a quick it's, it's a walk-in touchdown. I mean, if they're not blitzing, like, and they don't drop back, it's a walk-in touchdown to try that slant right there, especially catch boom, throw done. And plus that blitzers coming off that side anyway. So as soon as you get, as soon as you throw a pass, when, when you clear the blitzer, I mean, that, that opportunity is there. Could it get, could potentially be knocked down? Sure. But I mean, I'd rather have that happen than, you know, than throwing away a pass at that point.
1: Um, and then, like, I mean, you've got well, Robinson. Kelsey had a whip route at the sticks on the from the slot on the left side.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, still, like, you want to do something – you just want to do something quick that takes a defender and opens up more windows for throws. So, whatever you want to do, whether it's the – you know, you just want to open up more windows for it. Um, but I, I would have been fine with a slant on both sides just simply because it gives you two hot route options to, to get a first down off of. And then I know they had Demarcus on the post, but they ended up doing kind of like a. I mean, people. I know people said Tyrese was a corner, but it, it looked more like an out than yeah. a, than a corner per se. So it didn't look like the scissors concept with the post and a and the corner route right off of it. And there were not gonna be he, time yeah. anyways with the blitz. He, yeah, he flattened out before the end zone. He wasn't going to the corner. So yeah. So I mean, I, I mean, look that. I I think that that cost him four points. You know, so you're up by four at that point. So, I mean, they can't kick a field goal. They got to score a touchdown off of it. So, I mean, they got to worry about getting a touchdown at that point. So they couldn't, they wouldn't be able to milk the clock down. Now, I mean, people can be saying, you know, and I know coaches said this all week that, you know, hindsight and all this stuff brings said I was saying the, I was saying that stuff in the moment. I was tweeting that stuff in the moment and even afterwards. So, I mean, I could see it then. So it isn't hindsight for me. And then on third and 27, that one in itself, look, I mean, looking at it after the fact, I mean, when you see two guys in that are in shotgun formation like that, that's your first thing that hey, if we're gonna blitz, we either need to take those guys and, and knock them into the quarterback, or you know maybe we don't blitz every you know seven guys. Um, but they they chose to do that, and you know that Thornhill Thornhill was expecting them to so throw a board.
1: Who, who is that Hitchens? I mean when Hitchens sees the, the the two guys back there with with Burrow and and you know it's clear that look they're 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 probably max protecting here like they've they've kept guys in the block. It, it, is it Hitchens who needs to check out there because it, you know it may be too late by the time they align for Spagnolo to to, to get the call in. So um, you know, does that come down to Hitch needing to audible out of that and, and and get him in a better play?
0: I mean, if they have that available to them, then I mean, he would probably be the one that ended up, you know, adjusting that. But I mean, that's a question that unfortunately, I don't think anybody thought to ask Spagnuolo this week. So, I mean, you don't get the definitive answer on that part of that, but that is a good
1: question. Todd,
0: that's a very good question.
1: I'm just saying, I mean, Hitch is the guy who call who, you know, they've said before that he's the guy who calls it on the field. So you would think if someone was going to change the call on the field, that would still be, be Hitch there. So.
0: Yeah. And, and, but I mean, on the third and 27 part, I mean, Burrow, Burrow was going to chase the entire time. Like, you can see that on, honestly,
1: I'm not even sure third and 27, whether Hitchens was on the field or not, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I mean, third, third and 27, I
0: mean, that's like, that's Burrow's going. Like, that, that, that's where Burrow's going. You see it immediately because, dude, all he does is just look to the, he already knows where he's throwing, but he, he's set up to throw. To the right side, but I mean, he he just looks off the safety. Thornhill makes him think that he's going to take Boyd over the middle and gets Thornhill to bite on that, and then he just chucks it. and throws a perfect pass, dude. He threw it twenty yards before Chase was getting to the spot. So that means you've done a lot of timing with that with that receiver in the off season and in training camp and in OTAs and all that to build up to throw that in a bucket and put that on a dime the way that he did on the outside shoulder like that. That's a lot of reps together to know the timing and to be able to do that. So that that in itself was impressive, especially the blitz coming. And, I mean, the tight end, uh, it was a Yuzuma or Usama, I can't remember. It was Yuzuma, I think. Um, he, he took out Sorensen there. And, I mean, te- technically did he grab him and hold a little bit maybe. But if you're Sorensen right there, like you need to knock that dude into Burrow. That's your number one thing. You're not going to be able to get there blitz-wise, so knock that dude in a burrow, knock a set off, and then if he if he knocked him off a set, then that would have – maybe maybe fumbles the ball, maybe knocks it out, but guess what? It doesn't get thrown. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. and you don't get a penalty for roughing the passer because you used the guy's own blocker against them. So, those were the issues I had from watching it, coaches Film-Wise. And, I mean – you just you just hope that they get put in a situation similar to that that they learn from both of those instances because hey guess what if you make that third and five and you're up by four and that third and 27 you get that done guess what not only are you potentially up by four but you have the ball with 3 minutes left so i well, mean those those were the two defining moments
1: for them yeah well and that's the thing like i mean you you know um Worse, my fr- and by the way, Hitchens wasn't on the field. that was Neiman in um, with Sorensen, um, and then. So one of those two was probably, I would assume, was calling right. it. Yeah, might might be Neiman in that situation, I, but but since I didn't ask Spagnuolo, like I, you know, I'd only be speculating. But the, my the biggest problem, and this has been talked talked about ad nauseum, worst case scenario there needs to be that you give up 15 yards, and and they're trying a 43, 44 yard field goal to take the lead. Uh, Are you buying Steve Spagnuolo's explanation that they were trying to, because at at the time they were at the 41. So if the pass is incomplete, it's a 58 yard field goal try, Um, which is, which is well within the range of an NFL kicker. It's a tough kick, but it's definitely a a kick that you're not totally stunned if a guy makes it right. Um, Are you buying the explanation, you know, that they were treating it more like third and medium and they were trying to knock him out of field goal range there that Steve Spagnuolo offered on Wednesday?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's what they believe strategy-wise. I think they were trying to keep them from um, being able to kick a field goal, and they thought that that was going to get him to hurry his throw and throw it away, and that they mentally thought, I mean, because most teams, whenever they're approaching that, they're going to do like a draw, they're going to do, you know, a screen pass, or they're going to do some kind of, you know, check down on like a slant or maybe, you know, a dig route and try to, try to make it happen that way and you know try to get at least five to you know six to ten yards off of it so i mean they're thinking that the offense they're going to call is based on that strategy but what they found out is no they went all verticals and said there you go check this out so i mean the, the 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 Bengals went a different road and because they went that road like they I mean, I'm curious to see down the road, I'm curious to see how Steve Spagnolo is going to adjust to it, whether it's whether it's the Chiefs or some other opponent, to where if they take a little bit different mentality, if if it comes down to something in one of those clutch moments where they gotta decide something like that.
1: Did that throw and and the performance on Sunday? Because coming into that game, we had a conversation about Herbert, Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. you know, you know because I think you and I both believe that that both those guys are going to be among the elite quarterbacks in the NFL for the next 10 to 15 years moving forward. Did, did this move the needle for you on your thoughts on Joe Burrow and whether he uh, is possibly better, um, you know, uh, or did, did that, did that close the gap with Herbert or maybe even put Burrow ahead of Herbert for you?
0: Not yet, but only because I need to see Burrow do that in the playoffs. Like, if he can do that in the playoffs with the game on the line, you know, type of thing, that's when he's going to start to build his legend and kind of put himself on a different on a different level at that point. I mean, look, that's fine. He did it against the Chiefs. And, I mean, he, you know, he showed some moxie there. But he also, ha- I just don't think he's taken that. He's been in that part of the league yet and gone through what Mahomes has especially gone through this year to where he's had NFL teams figure out the scheme and know how to defend the scheme. and come back with answers. So like I mean, Burrow, the next step for Burrow is going to be to win in the playoffs. And then after that, what can he do when the league starts taking away what they're good at? And and then that'll kind of, you know, that'll elevate those things can elevate him even more. And then, you know, I mean, like we'll we'll see what happens from that point if he's able to get to an AFC championship or a Super Bowl. But I mean, I, I already thought he was one of the three better up-and-coming quarterbacks in the league i mean him him herbert and mahomes are very very good i I, i'm i'm still hesitant with josh allen because i think there's i think there's more behind the scenes with him that will come out over time that i think is going to we'll see and then lamar jackson's you know injuries are starting to catch up with him in the league so it'll uh i think herbert burrow and mahomes are kind of those are what are going to lead you and drive you in the AFC for a little bit.
1: Yeah, and you know, you mentioned wanting to see Burrow do it in the playoffs, but we haven't seen Herbert do it in the playoffs either. He'll get his first kind of playoff game on Sunday on you know on KSHB forty one when the Chargers and Raiders play in a in a winner take all game that'll determine uh, you know who ultimately gets in the playoffs. Um, and we'll go a long way in deciding who the Chiefs play because one of the reasons we're not talking a whole lot about the Broncos is, and we will get to some Broncos talk later is, I mean, obviously it's a game the Chiefs should win and, and look, it's still an important game because even if you, know, even if the Houston Texans and David Coley, who spent 18 years on Andy Reid's staff and can do has a special relationship with Andy and could do Andy a huge favor. Um, but even if Houston Texans and David Coley can't beat the Tennessee Titans, Locking up the number two seed is still important. You don't get the buy anymore, but it does guarantee you two home playoff games. And all you need is the Titans to get upset in the divisional round, and you'd get the AFC championship game at home again. Um, and, and so I think that's critical because the way it's shaken out right now, you, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens with Cincinnati because, you know, without Burrow and Mixon and some guys like that, you know, or without Burrow, you know, playing on Sunday. Um, you know, who knows how they, you know, how, how the, they finish up against the Browns and whether they stay in that number three position. Um, but wh- whether it's the, the, the Bengals, the, or the bills or the Patriots, um, they would have to come to Arrowhead for that divisional round. Um, you know, if, if they're the, th- whoever ends up being the three seed, um, you know, it's so that that it's still critical if the chief out and get this win lock up at worse, the number two seed. Um, and look, I mean, look, David Coley spent 18 years, 14 with the Eagles, you know, four with the chiefs on, on Andy Reid's staff. He was an assistant head coach for Andy Reed and, and Andy had told him, like, if you get an opportunity to go be a quarterback's coach or an offensive coordinator somewhere to have, you know, maybe have that chance to, to be a head coach one day, I want you to take it. You know, so he didn't stand in his way when that opportunity came with Sean McDermott in, in Buffalo. And then Coley, of course, went on to, to spend a couple of years with John Harbaugh, another guy off the Reed family tree, uh, before getting this opportunity. So um, I know I'm rooting hard um, for you know one of uh, Andy's most loyal lieutenants to get get the job done and go ahead and get that buy. So I, if if for no other reason than to give me a weekend off,
0: I'm I'm just kind of curious to see if, if, if say the Chiefs if the chiefs don't get that buy, I'm kind of curious to see how they'll perform from week to week. Like, you know, like, I mean, a couple of times in the divisional round, they've had sluggish starts from having that week off and everything. And so if they end up playing that first week, I'm kind of curious how, how that goes for them from a routine perspective. Is it a little bit different than if, you know, some of the previous years, whenever they have the buy and take that time off and are a little, little sluggish. So, I mean, that, that could be an experiment in itself if they end up being the two seed. So we will, uh, we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, from a, you know, from a bi-week perspective, yeah, you want the guys to get the rest and kind of be able to, you know, just at least get one week off if they're trying to go for three at this point. But, um, but it, it'll be interesting the other way too, if they end up being the two. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to be curious either way. Cause then my question just gets delayed a week and I'm like, all right, so are they going to be sluggish
1: in the divisional round or how are they going to approach it you know so yeah. you just don't know until you see it so and the most likely scenario if the chargers win the chiefs will play the chargers uh, if the raiders win then the chiefs almost certainly will play the colts um and, and we will deal with that um in in a podcast next week um but y- you know you mentioned the in you know wanting that week off give the guys a chance to rest whatever the Chiefs are actually remarkably healthy, I think, for this time of year. They've lost some guys like, you know, Jody Fortson along the way. Um, you know, but Orlando Brown, who missed last week with the the calf, you know, has practiced all week. I'd expect him to to go um, at Denver unless unless they want to use this week to, to give him an extra week of rest. But the fact that he's been full go all week probably means, or, or most of the week, probably means that, you know, you're going to see – Orlando Brown out there um, if they feel like it's necessary. Um, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire won't play. I got to ask though. At this point right now, is Daryl Williams a better running back for this offense, especially when you factor in what he's done in the passing game, than Clyde anyway.
0: Yeah. Daryl's Daryl's the better back right now.
1: So I mean, look. I, I think obviously you'd like to have all three of them ready to go for the playoffs, right? You'd like to have Daryl Williams, um, well, four of them, I guess, if you include Derek Gore, Jarek McKinnon, and Clyde Butzelay. You'd like to have all, all, all the, you know, the weapons at your disposal, so to speak. But I, I just, I don't, I don't think they lose a lot now if Clyde can't go. I just, I, I mean. I just don't think they do. I, I don't think it's like a, a devastating blow to the offense.
0: No, not as much as some of the people in the national media try to make it sound right. like. They're like, "Oh, they're not Clyde edwards line. I'm like, oh well, I mean, Daryl's better." Former first-round pick. Daryl's better than him, and you know, Derek Gore is running better than him. So, I mean, it is you know, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. So, yeah, it'll. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how some how some things go with the running back situation when Clyde comes back, but yeah, no, I mean, look, I mean, Clyde Clyde struggles with vision. He struggles with, you know, he doesn't have the burst that he had when he first got in the league, and I'm not saying his burst was elite by any means, but the burst that he had, it's not, it hasn't come back since that injury, so, you know, I mean, but and here's another thing, I mean, we'll see if Orlando Brown's back in the lineup, I mean, we'll see what that offensive line does, you know, because that offensive line last, last week, what they, what they found with their left tackle to right guard combination. And even Wiley at right tackle as a run blocker. I mean, they were road grading people. Like it wasn't, and it wasn't my accident. And that run game was the best that's ever looked because of those five combinations uh, out there on the
1: field, plain and simple. Having said that though, like, is there any part of you that, that honestly believes that Andy Reed and Eric B could be disciplined enough to stick to, a ground and pound strategy in a playoff game where they would just run the ball down your throat. Like, I, I just still don't believe that they would be able to do it. I just don't think they would be able to fight their own nature. And uh, as much as I I feel like I would love to see it, it might be a, a great strategy for them. I just I just I don't I just don't see the Chiefs properly utilizing that. And they didn't in the second half of, of the Bengals game.
0: Well, if they if they don't win the football games in the playoffs, then
1: we'll have something to chat about all offseason. <laughs> um all right. So speaking of injuries, Denver is loaded with them, which is no surprise. This is a team that hasn't had a winning season since 2016. Uh it's the 17th game of another lost season potentially Vic Fangio's last, um, with the Broncos. So, I mean, it's no surprise that Teddy Bridgewater, Dalton Reisner, Patrick Sertan, the second Kareem Jackson, Ronald Darby, all those guys are out. Um, you know, I mean, uh, like it's going to be, I mean, you know, Drew Locke, you know, he's practiced all week. He's going to play uh, and start uh, against, the chiefs. So that'll, you know, that'll be a fun little storyline to watch the Lee summit and Mizzou kid get another crack at his hometown team, but the chiefs have dominated this series. They won 12 in a row. And especially with Sertan Jackson and Darby out. Um, I mean, it's, it feels like, and, and, and other guys like Bradley Chubb and guys like that are coming back from the COVID list. And we've seen that it can sometimes take guys a week or two to, to get back to full strength in those situations. Like this just has the, the makings of And I'll probably have to like eat these words, but this just has the makings of a a kind of a sleepwalk game for the Broncos and and another sloppy, but ultimately relatively easy win for the chiefs.
0: I mean, the, the bigger problem in the, in, in it is that I think a lot of players know that Fangio is probably going to be gone on Monday. So like, you know, they're going to find out that the coach is, is gone at this point and that they're moving on from him more than likely on Monday. So with that being the case, I mean, you can put stuff on tape and everything for next year, but I mean, there's already 16 other games that they can kind of look at what you're doing and you can chalk it up to, Hey, I was, you know, I was injured, you know, that type of stuff, or I was coming off COVID reserve list or whatever. And they can, they can write that off. So, I mean, this, this is kind of, this is a game, especially on Saturday. This is, this is what stands in the way of the players taking a very long vacation in Denver. <laughs> so yeah. like, you know, like, I mean, this is kind of the final day of school for them essentially. So it's not that those guys won't go out there and play and they won't try to execute to the best of their ability. But if you hop up, hop up on them early enough, get to a big lead, they're going to make business decisions and they're not going to, they're not going to give a hundred percent. I mean, that's just the reality, especially with nothing on the line. That's, you know, that's just the way that's going to be. So it's, there's not much that any of them gain out of, you know, potentially hurting themselves and having to have off surgery, especially if they're going into free agency and, in that, you know, or they're potentially on the bubble to get released, depending who's the head coach next year. So there's, you know, there's, there's not going to be, it's not going to be the same Broncos team that they played on Sunday night. And especially with drew lock out there at quarterback, he's a lot riskier than Teddy Bridgewater is. So, that that game. Although I think that game. No
1: interceptions in the last two starts. He's he's reined it in a little.
0: As spagnolo as spagnolo knows if you pressure Drew Locke, he's just gonna throw it up and he's gonna scramble out and throw it across his body and give up a couple interceptions. So I mean, they're just gonna have to treat him like he's Philip Rivers or Derek Carr and they'll get a couple picks off of it. And like I said, if they jump out to an early enough lead, that can they can end that game pretty quick and and just hope nobody gets injured from it on either side of the ball.
1: I do think it's an important game for for Drew Locke. I mean, if there's one guy who I think will be motivated to come out and play, it's going to be Drew. One, I mean, having known him at at least some at Mizzou, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's he's a competitive guy, uh, and he. Well, Teddy Bridgewater talked about how Drew had kind of rediscovered his joy for the game this year. You know, I mean, having to, to sit and having to kind of, you know, kind of stare his NFL you know mortality in the face a little bit, and so. Um, you know, like I said, Drew, I mean, he hasn't exactly lit things up the last couple games, but, um, he hasn't thrown, uh, any interceptions. He did have one, you know, bad, kind of bad fumble there in the red zone, but uh, I, I think he'll be motivated to go out and play. And I look, I do think that some of the guys like, like Justin Simmons, like they don't want to lose 13 straight. They just as soon find a way to win this game and not have to answer those questions next year Um, because a guy like Simmons is going to be back, right? He's got the long-term deal, one of the best safeties in the league. Um, You know, but Drew, he's got one more year on his rookie deal. I mean, you know, he's got to put some – he's one of the guys that does have to put some stuff on tape to maybe uh, show something to a new regime that's coming in or to show something to other teams who may be interested in, you know, taking a flyer on him for cheap next year, um, you know, know, as he looks toward possibly – um getting you know a much more substantial payday out of his first uh you know first real NFL contract. So I um, I think Drew Drew will be motivated to play. Um but look, it's a bad Broncos team. Like the, you know like you said, th- it's about to be rudderless. It's a game the Chiefs absolutely should win cuz they do have something to play for. What if you could pick one two three things, what is it you want to see from the Chiefs um in in this game um you know, to make you feel comfortable w- with where the team's at heading into the playoffs. Uh, number one, I'll, I'll let, we'll just get it out of the way. Stay healthy. Don't get any key guys injured. Right?
0: Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's for any game. Just don't, don't get hurt. Like, don't get hurt. Don't cause something that causes you to miss a playoff game. Um, that's going to be biggest all the time. But in terms of three key points for this, you don't want to see, you, you want to see better tackling than what you saw the previous week in the cold. So, I mean, seeing the defense tackle better is going to be, that's going to be a key component in making sure that they're right in that regard on, on, you don't want to see Williams run all over the chiefs defense. You definitely don't want to see that part of it. And then, I mean, finally for the offense, you just want to see the offense go out there and be effective from start to finish. And even if they're out there in the third quarter, maybe even fourth quarter, you want to see them be able to sustain drives and not just have, you know, have more than the three drives that they had in the second half against the Bengals, You just want to see them be effective in those if they're still out there at that point, but they need to, they need to treat this game. Like it's a, for them, they need to treat it like it's a playoff game and a tune up for a playoff game. And that's, that's how they need to handle their business. So that's what I'd like to see from them and fewer, uh, significantly fewer penalties would be great, especially on special teams. That would, that would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's
1: not happening. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see, uh, you know, maybe a tendency breaker too. that. That's the, that, that's one thing that I think I, for me, I think the third and 27 call, you know, I asked you which one was a bigger issue for you. The third and 27 is the one that, st that has, uh, has irritated me more all week. Um, just because it it's, it's so hard to defend having a guy that had 200 yards and three touchdowns, just leaving him one on, you know, one on one in that situation um you know and just hoping that they wouldn't bother to look that way um you know uh, but look if that's the kind of thing that that forces the Spagnolo and the Chiefs defensive staff to kind of look in the mirror and do do a, a, an evaluation about their tendencies and and whether they need to break a few of them here and there to kind of um you know kind of surprise Um, you know, some teams moving forward, like the Bengals defense did on that third and five play on the chiefs previous drive. I think maybe that could be a good thing. So um, I I would like to see the chiefs, you know, just be a little bit less predictable. Um, You know, I mean, don't, don't empty the bag, but, but just show that you've, you know, that you're capable of doing that.
0: Uh, I will tell you, I can tell they were irritated to have an answer at the press conferences this week.
1: Well, well, I mean, look, it
0: was it that's was a, a terrible, that's a good thing though, because that means they
1: they want to make sure it doesn't get asked. Right. It was a bad you know, it was a bad look. Like you said, like it there's no other way to put it. The Chiefs got out coached in that game and it and, and they lost because of it. Um hey, old friend alert time. Um, and actually I I, I should back off because we've got a couple old friend alerts. Greg Robinson passed away this week. He was a Chiefs defensive coordinator and Dick for Meal. Um, you know, age 70. You know, won some Super Bowls with the Broncos. Um, you know, I mean, the Chiefs made the playoffs and had some exciting teams under under Vermeil. He'll he'll be obviously remembered more for his time with the Broncos than his time with the Chiefs. But um, always, always, you know, you, you know, always sad. You know, you, your heart goes out to a family that that's in mourning uh, when a guy like that passes.
0: Yeah, and he was he 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 was a nice guy. I mean, you know, he wasn't rude or disrespectful or hateful anyway. So he was, you know, he was, and he 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 took
1: some heat. Yeah, no, (laughs) he he took
0: it. I mean, press conferences, he would take the heat. He'd get asked those questions. I mean, he stood up there and he took that heat. And I mean, I I barely, if I'm recording. I barely got to meet him whenever I start my internship at Metro. And like he, he was nice and as kind as could be to me. So that's, you know,
1: 18 year old me was very appreciative of that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, and I want to say, like, I was, you know, a little bit older, uh, you know, 25, 26, 27 at that time, um, but uh, I'll never forget the, the passion with which Dick Vermeil, yeah, um, talked about Greg Robinson, the man, right. because people were talking about, um, you know, th- look, the defense was ranked last in the NFL, and it, it was holding them back. I mean, if you're Greg Robinson was the defensive coordinator in the no punt game when they lost 38-31 to Indianapolis uh, at Arrowhead in the playoffs. Um so he took some heat and rightfully so cuz the defense wasn't playing well and that was his job. Um but I'll never forget the you know the passion that with, with which Dick Vermeil fought for. His, and Dick Vermeil was known for his passion. So when I tell you that in that moment it was even more stark, um that should let you know what what Dick Vermeil, who I have the utmost respect for. Um felt about greg robinson uh, you know i i'd echo that um a, a very um a good person um who um he he could have gone a different way um with with the heat that he was taking around kansas city at that time but he never did he he, he kept his class um and, and if he was frustrated uh by um you know the narrative that was out there about him uh he certainly didn't uh um, didn't react publicly to that. Um, so yeah, I got, I got nothing else. for you, no. The other old friend alert though. Uh, did you see that the USFL announced their first four coaches mm-hmm. and, uh, the Tampa Bay bandits, um, are going to have Todd Haley at the helm. How quickly did you, did you get a t-shirt or a hat for, a Tampa, for the Tampa Bay bandits?
0: I'm gonna hold off for a little bit and see how long Todd's there before I go get the bandits hat. Liar! Uh, but no, it did make me smile when I saw Todd Haley's gonna to be a head coach somewhere again. That one, that one's gonna yeah. be. Uh, that'll be very interesting. I just wonder if he's gonna show up to press conferences on time with a diet coke or not. Because <laughs> the people that don't know, and I think I've said on this podcast before, there was many times from oh uh, from oh nine till whenever he uh he he got notified that he'd no longer be part of the organization in 2011 there dude where i'd be i'd be i'd be at a press conference just waiting just waiting for todd to show up there and it'd be it would be 50 minutes past like just just 50 minutes past due or whatever and like he you're you know the presser's at noon and it's almost 1250 (laughs) you're still waiting for Todd to show up for his own press conference that they set you know that they set time for and I will say Andy Reid and his staff have always been pretty punctual you know I mean there's rare occurrences but for the most part they start within 10 minutes yeah
1: yeah Yeah,
0: well I mean and and before COVID like they were they were they were on time like yeah. I mean so I mean with COVID protocols now you know I don't know what all they're having to go through behind the scenes and I, I you know so I don't I don't knock them on that one but whenever that was not going on I mean you it was Andy was going to be there at that time as coordinators are going to be there at that time and like they were on point yeah so that's why I'm, I'm not, but I've also been a part of that Todd Haley experience before so that's where I'm like I'm always grateful. I'm like, yeah, I mean, but at least it's not Todd, where it's you know 15 minutes or maybe even an hour later, and and he'd have that, he'd want that diet coke ready there waiting for him. And I know, I know some people tell me some of the coaches I talked to over the years, like he he would drink seven in a day if not more. Yeah. So that was that was part of Todd's uh, Todd's favorite pastime.
1: One oh, one yeah. of the many pastime. Other ones I can't talk about on here. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, although Tampa's probably good for that too. Um, but I <laughs> don't don't laugh. <laughs> but in fairness, he had to be fairly caffeinated, Nick, as often as he would uh you know, run down to his car so he could have conversations with the radio up loud to get away from from the the bugs in his in his office. Um so <laughs> Those are pure speculation that, we're in, that Todd Haley <laughs> talked about
0: after I just, he left an article, so we do not know officially if that is the case.
1: I got it. I just, if they offer me a job as the Tampa Bay Bandits beat writer, I am probably, ta- I'm probably tagging up the family and we're going. That's all I'm saying.
0: I just want to be on. I just want to be on one of the one of the Zooms. Do you think? Do you think Todd thought the uh, the, the Cleveland Browns offices were bugged, and then somebody potentially had to explain to him that it was just actually hard
1: knocks to in a series. <laughs> it's like ah, yeah. Like they used to bug my phones. They had cameras everywhere in Cleveland. <laughs> there was just this camera guy that I'm pretty sure was following me around the entire time. I thought uh, that was NFL
0: films with hard knocks.
1: Oh, <laughs> I, I also like to think, because I'm thinking back to Kent Babb's wonderful piece about Scott Pioli, because that was, a, in a sad, dysfunctional way, that was an interesting time to cover the Chiefs as well. Mm. I also there's part of me who likes to think that like one of the ways that paranoid Todd Haley used to get back was he would leave the gum wrappers in the stairs for Scott Pioli to find.
0: It wouldn't surprise me. That actually was the first thing I thought of whenever (laughs) like you used when Pioli took note that the allegedly that the candy wrappers were still there, and like you and I have (laughs) joked over the years. We're like,
1: dude, Todd was the one putting them there every time. you know the janitorial staff was doing its job i feel like they picked him up every day and every day todd haley would subversively put a new candy wrapper down there he couldn't leave like a diet coke can because then it would be a, it would be like a, a you know, would, giveaway right it would be like you know you know his pupils dilating when he's at the poker table and he gets pocket aces or something playing it you know so uh, it'd be it'd be a, a dead tell but uh but the candy wrapper sneaky
0: you were not wrong though about like how unique the times were i mean covering that team during that time that's why i <laughs> it's always i know they say it's always darkest before the dawn but man <laughs> if you go if you go through those times and you, was... you you go you were on that beat every day i used to tell therese about that whenever we'd have conversations like dude i was like i'm telling you man if you'd been here during during those two years and i tell him about some of the stuff that would happened, he's like you yeah, know, I'm mean, going have it pretty good. And I was like, no, dude. I was like, if you were here during those times, man, like walking into that place can be miserable sometimes. And it just, and, Going in that locker room, man. I mean, there was times where, literally, the only people in the locker room because nobody wanted to talk about anything, is you walk in the locker room and then there's there's Dustin Colquitt and and Hunter, <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of
1: Ryan Suckup and Dustin Colquitt stories and those things. Like two right? or three, like even DJ or like offensive DJ. line
0: <laughs> oh, and like DJ and Tombo. Like you knew they they were kind of like, yeah, we would like to stay away from here too because I still. I still remember that time when like I'll tell this story. It involves Steve Bresden because Todd Haley loves Steve Bresden and got him here. Um, and Steve Bresden is starting to get playing time taken away from him. And so uh, people the media comes up to talk to him on his locker and everything, and uh, and then he's he kind of declines. And then he goes out to the he goes out to the hallway. And there, there's two different ways you can go. They can walk you, you know, they walk you back to the facility or walk you back to the players' lounge and everything. And uh, and he, he molded over the entire time because he decided to walk back down the hallway and did a U-turn back towards his locker and was like, you know what, I will do that interview. And then everybody media-wise just congregates on it. And then he gave his line about how you you can't you can't fight city hall. <laughs> And then Steve Bresden was gone a couple of weeks later. <laughs> so, I mean, he may have been; it may have just been inactive, but like you didn't see like that was kind of <laughs> one of the final times you saw Steve Bresden. Yeah. But it's, oh man, last interview for sure. It was one of his last ones. Yes, yeah. but still, it just you know, like it just I don't know, man. Like a, now that you can look back on it, and they won a Super Bowl, and like they've they've had a ton of success. And everything, and you, and if you were on that beat, like you appreciate how unique the success is with Andy, and how special it is, just simply because, like during that era, during those very unique 09, 2010, 2012 years, like you, you saw some of the some of the worst times and some of the more miserable times to cover the the team at that point, and just to kind of see where it was then to where it's at now, like like training camps, man. Todd Haley would have training camps at like three o'clock in the afternoon and like 96 to 98 to 100 degree heat up in St. Joe and in August and July. And I just felt so bad for those guys. And like they're out there till almost six o'clock. And I'm like, I'm thinking in my head is like, one of these poor guys is gonna have a heat stroke, dude. Is this like hundred degrees outside? And the humidity is ridiculous, man. Like I'm like my my t-shirts drenched and I'm not even physically doing anything. Like how are those guys surviving out there? And you just hear you just hear Haley. I think I've I, I do not know if I've told the story before, but like Matt Castle, they're doing the it's on the hill where people kind of sit out up there by the media tent for people that where people, if you if you've done it where you go get autographs and stuff, yeah. and like Terrence Copper's just coming on this crossing route and and DJ's just spying it the entire way. And he just sees it, he's getting ready to jump that route. And uh, it's whenever Charlie Weiss, Charlie Weiss is still there. And Castle throws it and telegraphs it and stares him down and throws it and then DJ jumps in front of it and then Todd just starts cursing him out and dropping uh, dropping dropping profanity left and right and I'm just like man I'm like there's kids in the stands here. <laughs> poor little five year old Timmy Timerson's like mommy why is this something <laughs> <laughs> oh but i mean i can laugh at those now because they've had much better times
1: since then but oh man was that were those experiences to go through yeah yeah uh, the one thing it reminds me i i always kind of uh i've thought through the years like it, kind of the reverse situation like i feel bad for whoever's gonna have to follow andy Reid. yeah that's gonna be or tough. or whoever's got to follow peter Vermes with sporting kansas city right like um you know, after what he's built um, with that franchise is like not an enviable task um, to to try to walk in the in the shoes of, you know, the the, the footprints left by those giants, um, you know, but, you know, I will say, um, you know, I mean, you know, it's a good thing. Andy has a personality and cracks jokes about cheeseburgers as often as he does. Otherwise, you know, you might yearn for a few Todd Haley moments.
0: I don't know. All I know, is, no? <laughs> all I know is make sure to make sure to recycle your diet Coke cans and uh, pick up your,
1: pick up your candy wrappers in Tampa, please. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, Hey, um, we'll, we'll be back, uh, I guess Saturday night. Um, you know, so you can look for the podcast Sunday, um, since your fantasy season's over and, you know, you've got no other reason to watch anything other than te- the Texans, uh, you know, Titans game now. So, are you talking to me or the audience? I don't know. The audience, the audience, Nick. This okay. is that's that's what we do this for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Todd. Well, I guess this is my exit at this point. <laughs> All right. Well, take care, kids. <laughs>